0: Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
1: Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: They should make a table where the legs are in the, not in the corners, but in the middles. <laughs> and before everybody emails <laughs> and tells me why that's a bad idea, <laughs> I just let's just try it. Has anybody tried it?
5: <laughs> you should build it. Well, you if you build it, they will come sit at it
3: <laughs> and, and let
5: you know how it feels. And topple it over <laughs> as they lean
3: side. I'm just saying uh, you have the, to
5: always have one person on either side of the table <laughs> to yeah, keep it balanced.
3: No elbows on the table. We keep our manners here. That's
5: right. Um, formal.
3: I just, you know, it uh I got a leg in my way right now. Oh, I'm sorry. And I can't get closer. Yep. Um, but it's okay. We're here. We're family. <laughs> is this is <laughs> family. <agree>? Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you all my uh, uh my mother was helping my sister buy a home. And She's. They're trying to. Somebody was trying to scam her, like total made up company, mm-hmm. made up business, made up phone numbers. uh You can't trust people. I'm just saying, be vigilant out there, everybody. True. I had one last a couple of years ago, or somebody. It was during the pandemic. You were out of town, and somebody texted me pretending to be an old boss that I had previously oh, worked for, because right. they found my name on the company website. So they were like, "Hey, it's it's so and so, your old boss. Can you do me if I'm in a conference?" I'm in a conference meeting. I need some help real quick. Uh, I need you to go buy some gift cards.
5: That gift cards thing was going around. Yeah. And there were people who, like in the DMs being like, hey, it's Kanye. I <laughs> <laughs> right. I just need $2,500 to prove like whatever I promise it's me. And, you know, it, or like they would say, I'll send you a pic to prove it. And it would be like, clearly. A runway shot or cover something. of Rolling Stone. Right, <laughs> or like a shot from set. Like they have blood on their face and shit <laughs> <laughs> or something. Like. Hey,
3: it's me, Andrew Lincoln. I'm currently being attacked by zombies. <laughs> but if you could help me out.
5: If you could send me $25, $25 Apple gift cards. I think I can give them to each of these zombies and make <laughs> them go away.
3: Anyway, stay safe out there, everybody. Stay smart. Watch out. Stay vigilant. Don't give anyone your name ever. Dang. Hide. In your homes. Oh don't answer the phone. Wow. Don't turn on your computer. Line your walls with tin foil. Uh
5: oh, we're going off in a direction uh, I was not. Make sure you've got for. six months
3: worth of drink of clean drinking water <laughs> and don't trust anyone. You know, if okay. your spouse calls, wow. it's not them.
5: Damn, you're really going in on
2: this.
3: <laughs> Look, I'm just it's better safe than sorry. I've been burned before. <laughs> what? I almost bought some iTunes cards. <laughs> Look. We're not scamming you. In fact, I really am Eli.
5: And I really am Diana. That's
3: right. And, and promise. we really are here with an exciting new episode of Ridiculous Romance.
5: Yes, I'm excited about this one because yeah. I love Walt Whitman.
3: Absolutely. Before we get to that, we really got some really nice reviews from some of y'all. And okay. I just want to say, it's the best thing in the world. The messages we get from you all, uh, comments on our Instagram posts, and these Apple podcast reviews really do a lot, not just for our self-esteem, which right. they do so much, I mean. but they help other people decide to listen to the show, too, because yeah. how often you scroll through and you're like, oh, my God, there's so many podcasts. What are the people saying? That's what I want to know. <laughs> 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 and we have recently gotten some really nice reviews. I uh, just want to share a couple here real quick because you put the time in yeah. to sending us your words. True. Let's uh, let's send them back. Okay. This one just came through from Naisi, maybe. Okay. And this person said, I love this podcast so much. I wait patiently for new episodes. I love Eli and Diana's witty banter ah,
5: yeah. and their
3: way of delving into difficult topics with grace and comedy. I hope you two never stop making this podcast. Thank you. I Thank can tell you, you we never stop making this podcast. <laughs> it is all day.
5: Maybe their name day. is nice.
3: Nice. That was a very
5: nice thing to say. Aw. <laughs>
3: Thank you so much for sending that yeah, in. Yeah,
5: that was really really like a lift to the day to see yep. that.
3: Yep. This one came from Heb Tink. Classic Heb Tink review here.
5: Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you follow the Hebtank
3: reviews, you know you're going to get some truths. Some goodies. Absolutely. Hebtank says, the hosts clearly have a background in performance. (gasps) I don't know what gave you that idea. Oh!
5: What do you mean? Do I sound like a thespian?
3: (laughs) Uh, They say because each episode is so very engaging and entertaining. They are both hilarious. Oh, thank God, because... Sometimes people call Please. one of us out over the other, and it's just too hard for the other person it's to say. It's really
5: tense at home. <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Hebtink says, We have a nice balance of wholesomeness, wit, and cringe. Nice. Uh, I appreciate how they approach each story with open minds. I love listening to each episode and recommend it to all my friends. Yay! Yeah, Tink doing it right. Hell yeah. And finally, a fan among fans <gasps> leaves this glowing five-star review hilarious that's it <laughs> that's it that's all i needed to hear
5: listen shakespeare once said brevity is the soul of wit." that's right
3: <laughs> and henry david thoreau said simplify simplify always wonder why he didn't just say simplify
5: <laughs> i'm probably gonna just say once. <laughs> you making fun of my stammer <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's that brooklyn 99 <laughs> quote i was waiting for <laughs> it almost had been 20 minutes there's
5: always fun Well, let's get to Walt Whitman, because I'm very excited to talk about this guy. He's one of my favorite, personal favorite poets. Yeah. Um, I didn't read all of Leaves of Grass by any (laughs) means, but I definitely read some of it, and felt incredibly smart we, <laughs> when yeah. I was in high school and early college.
3: We had we read some selections in AP Lit, mm-hmm. and I remember, oh, that was really cool. Like, right. I'm gonna check this out, and then I found the book. I mm-hmm. was like, oh god, it's
5: extremely. That's a
3: lot of poems. It's
5: quite a tome. <laughs> but yeah, so when I say Walt Whitman, though, what do you think of what what comes to your mind?
3: Um, Leaves of Grass. The the story I just told. That's right. what comes to my mind. That's it. <laughs> Um,
5: like uh, any of his famous lines perhaps spring to
3: mind I would say like uh, oh oh obviously Mm -hmm. do I contradict myself very well I contradict myself I am large I contain contain multitudes. multitudes love it isn't that just that says so much
5: and people do. We've talked about, we've come ac- across that in many episodes where I'm like, they're saying one thing and doing another. What's going on? It's just like human behavior. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. People are and a lot. Yeah. That's what Walt Whitman was saying in uh, excessive words. People are a lot.
5: <laughs> if only you could just condition. Gravity, Walt Whitman. Wow.
3: Read your Thoreau. Simplify.
5: One of my favorites was always. I too am not a bit tamed. I too am untranslatable. I sound my barbaric yap yeah, over the yeah, roofs yeah. of the world.
3: Oh. Yeah, okay. hell yeah, you Does do. that
5: not make you want to go sound a barbaric yap right? <laughs> over the roofs of the world? Well, both of those famous lines were from his poem Song of Myself. Oh, okay. Um, of course, one of his most famous poems, you might recall, Oh Captain, my captain. Oh boy, yeah. Robin Williams jumping I, up on the <laughs> <yeah>.
3: desk, <laughs> exactly. inspiring
5: the youth. If you're really into waltz, you might know that the 1980 movie Fame
3: has
5: a song in it called I Sing the Body Electric.
3: sure does. That was
5: inspired by Leaves of Grass. It was taken from Leaves of Grass. That line. Yeah. 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 And if you don't mind a fun fame fact. Who doesn't love a good musical
3: theater fact? (laughs) Give it to us.
5: This is just funny to me. Uh But um, originally the movie was supposed to be called Hot Lunch. What? Yeah, there's a, there's a line in it where it's like, oh, you want guarantees? Well, all you get here is seven classes and a hot lunch. The rest is up to you. you know, it's like some inspiring speech or whatever. And they, they're going to call the movie Hot Lunch.
3: They, they combed through the script, looked funny. at all their lines, and said, which one really speaks? Which one tells the story of this movie What's in a single poster? sentence? Yeah. What is everyone going to say? Hey, did you see the new movie? Blank. Uh-huh. I know. Hot lunch.
5: <laughs> well, apparently the reason it's not called hot lunch.
3: It's not just because it's terrible?
2: No. What?
5: It's because the director Alan Parker was walking by, walking down the street one day. Uh-huh. He passed an adult movie theater. Okay. And saw that they were showing a pornography called hot lunch <laughs> starring Al Parker. What? And he was like. Too close for comfort. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Did I make a porn without remembering that I had done it?
3: Oh, my God. Okay. Well, thank goodness for Al Parker in the porn hot lunch (laughs) for stopping the movie Fame from being called Hot Lunch. Oh, my God. That's terrible. What a wow. terrible title movie! That's the worst title of a movie I've heard since Needle in a Time Stack.
5: Needle in a Time Stack is so bad. Which
3: has that? Did that movie ever come out? I don't we saw know. a trailer like last year.
5: Yeah, I think we said we would actually watch it. It was just a terrible title. Yeah, but it looked like it might be actually okay. Well, anyway, well, anyway, there's so many things inspired by Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. Yeah, he's just got such an echoing legacy yeah. in in literature. But did you know that Walt was gay? He would cruise for cuties in the streets of New York. He frequented the first gay bar in America. He even did a little cross-dressing. Okay. So I want to talk all about Walt's love life and how he revealed himself in his poetry and how it caused problems throughout his lifetime. Alright. And, of course, the man that he eventually fell in love with.
3: Yes, let's hear all about Walt's Multitudes. Let's go.
5: Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put
2: Show ridiculous
3: romance. A production of iHeartRadio.
5: Walt started out his life in Long Island. He was the second of nine children, mm. and he left school at only eleven years old. How many
3: geniuses, literary and scientific, out there mm-hmm. like
5: Not you a know, lot of dropped out of school, school right?
3: real early? Mm-hmm. And here I stayed the whole time, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Drop out of school, boys and girls.
5: (laughs) He learned from the streets, okay? He got got (laughs) life. He went to the college of life.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I learned my poetry on the
5: streets. (laughs) I mean, kind of. I mean, kind of. Now, he worked as a typesetter and an errand boy. He taught at various schools. Uh, he did some editorial writing. Before he started reviewing music, particularly opera for newspapers, Okay. he once said, quote, but for the opera, I could not have written leaves of grass. Sure. And for much of his youth, he was a teetotaler who advocated for temperance. And this is pretty funny because later on he became a Big fan of wine. Oh. <laughs> um, he even wrote a temperance novel called Franklin Evans or The Inebriate in 1842. And he later dismissed it as, quote, complete rot. And he was like, I wrote that in three days just for the money. And by the way, I was drunk at the time. Oh, shit. <laughs> when I wrote
3: it. Wow. So not much of a teetotaler after all. Not so much. I got to say, this is, you wrote down the word teetotal here, teetotaler. Uh-huh. T-E-E. Mm-hmm. And I really always thought it was T-E-A. And that teetotaler oh. meant I totally only drink tea. <laughs> like that's, that's what I thought teetotaler came from. I
5: totally only drink tea. <laughs> that's amazing. The,
3: I guess that's not it.
5: I don't know why it isn't because that is much more delightful. <laughs> I say we, I moved to change it. Right. I, I guess teetotalers were just like straight edge, the straight edge of their time. All
3: right. Where's the word come from? Don't we don't know. have time.
5: Yeah, I didn't look it up. So in 1848, Walt was a delegate for the Free Soil Party, which basically meant that Walt did not necessarily believe in abolition, where the government would come in and tell you you can't own slaves anymore. Um, but like the others in the Free Soil Party, he believed that expanding slavery into the new Western territories would be a threat to free white labor.
3: Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's why we should get it to Because they place. need to make
5: money out there after right. all. And that was a position that William Lloyd Garrison hilariously called, quote, white manism. I just oh, think my funny. God. White manism. <laughs> and should be, you know, probably used more often today.
3: <laughs> I'm a certified white manist. <laughs> oh, by 1850, Walt was starting to work on leaves of grass after being inspired by Ralph Waldo Emerson's 1844 essay, The Poet. He wanted to write something distinctly American, something that captured the American spirit and culture, something about real life. So he wrote in free verse with themes of nature and democracy and the self, striving for a cadence similar to the King James Bible. Mm -hmm. This is a Walt Whitman episode, y'all You know where we've got to spend a lot of our time mm -hmm. We're gonna go on down to Poetry Corner And hear a little bit of his poem Song of Myself From the 1892 edition
5: Walt Whitman, a cosmos of Manhattan the sun Turbulent, fleshy, sensual Eating, drinking, and breeding No sentimentalist No stander above men and women Or apart from them No more modest than immodest.
3: Unscrew the locks from the doors. Unscrew the doors themselves from their jams. Whoever degrades another degrades me. And whatever is done or said returns at last to me. Through me, the aflatus surging and surging. Through me, the current and index. I speak the password primeval. I give the song of democracy. By God, I will accept nothing which all cannot have their counterpart of on the same terms.
5: Through me many long, dumb voices. Voices of the interminable generations of prisoners and slaves. Voices of the diseased and despairing, and of thieves and dwarfs. Voices of cycles of preparation and accretion, and of the threads that connect the stars, and of wombs, and of the father stuff and of the rights of them the others are down upon, of the deformed, trivial, flat, foolish, despised, fog in the air, beetles rolling balls of dung. Through me forbidden voices, voices of sexes and lusts, voices veiled, and I remove the veil, voices indecent by me, clarified and transfigured.
3: I do not press my fingers across my mouth, I keep as delicate around the bowels as around the head and heart. Copulation is no more rank to me than death is. I believe in the flesh and the appetites. Seeing, hearing, feeling are miracles, and each part and tag of me is a miracle. Divine am I, inside and out, and I make holy whatever I touch or am touched from. The scent of these armpits aroma finer than prayer, this head more than churches, Bibles, and all the creeds. Mm. Uh, This guy's going places. <laughs> guy, I feel like this guy's going to be a successful poet.
5: I mean, I love it. It's so evocative and fresh and real and right in your face. Yeah. I just love it. I love it's it. It's
3: really beautiful. And I, I love some of this stuff like... Um, like whoever degrades another degrades me and whatever is done or said returns at last to me. That's just philosophically something I very much believe mm-hmm. that you, you can't uh, it just in the grand scale of eternity. You will suffer the yeah. bad things you do to other people mm-hmm. and vice versa and the good things too. So,
5: so it's best to put as much put good out as, there as you can. You
3: have to, or literally building our own uh, paradise by by doing better things for other people. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Without getting too into it.
5: Well, he presented the very first edition, which he self-published in 1855, to his brother, George, who said it, quote, wasn't worth reading. Damn. <laughs> Damn George. George. Ice cold.
3: I brought you leaves of grass. George is like, you know, Walt, grass comes in blades, <laughs> not leaves. So. So try again.
5: <laughs> I'm throwing this in the fire. <laughs> Well, George was not the only one who felt that way. The collection was not popular. Um, sales were minimal. Damn. So again, he was breaking all the rules of poetry. He was right. doing this rhyming thing. He wasn't talking about the same themes that people were talking uh-huh. about. So they were just like, what the hell am I looking at?
3: Roses are red. Violets are blue. are blue. Hey, Walt Whitman, learn to write a poem. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, Amazing. I could break convention too. <laughs>
5: But things changed a little after he received a very complimentary letter from Ralph Waldo Emerson himself Oh saying, quote, Dear sir, I am not blind to the worth of the wonderful gift of leaves of grass. I find it the most extraordinary piece of wit and wisdom America has yet contributed. Okay. I rubbed my eyes a little to see if this sunbeam were no illusion. Damn. I mean, he liked this shit. Right? <laughs> he was into it.
3: Yeah, for real. I was a big uh, Emerson fan in school.
5: Mm, totally. I
3: really liked transcendentalism mm-hmm. back in high school. Couldn't define it for you today. Well, but I know at the time I was very into You were it. like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is all I'll ever care about from now on. Give my little poetry journal.
0: And the first page
3: was like, it's time to start journaling. And I still have that notebook with that one sentence written in it and nothing else. And six more just like it.
5: I saw some tweet the other day that was like, this is my emotional support pile of unfilled notebooks. (laughs) Exactly. Stop rating me.
3: Now, of course, once people like myself knew that Ralph Waldo Emerson, the literary tastemaker himself, liked the book Leaves of Grass, it became more widely distributed and read. But the reviews started to focus more on the obscene nature of the poetry, as they called it.
5: Yeah, the breeding and the fleshy, sensual stuff. They were like, ah! Right. Too much!
3: (laughs) So Walt took a quote from Emerson's letter that said, I greet you at the beginning of a great career. And he embossed that in gold leaf on the second edition of Leaves of Grass, essentially inventing the book blurb.
5: Nice. Like, with
3: a foreword by Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> it's one sentence.
5: She really is the defining America. Yeah, he was right. like, I need a marketing hook exactly. now. Exactly.
3: <laughs> but this was almost not published because of all the bad reviews that had come out before. Mm-hmm. But it did come out in 1856 with an additional 20 poems, and it continued to be added to and revised throughout Walt's life. He would just keep putting out a new edition. It was like. You know, a, a video game. He just kept, oh, there's a new update, <laughs> new update. You thought you bought it, but it's not done not yet. Not
5: yet. Still
3: going. Uh, people were probably like, I already paid for this book once. You can't keep changing it.
5: <laughs> He's like, but there's so much new shit.
3: <laughs> Have you got the DLC yet for Leaves yeah. of Grass? <laughs> Release
5: uh, the Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh,
3: I don't want the Snyder cut of leaves of grass. <laughs> just, you have to read it very slow.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Walt is probably more like release the butthole cut. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's more accurate.
3: <laughs> so all these new additions and revisions were often very revealing. For example, in 1848, Walt went to New Orleans and he had a little bit of a love affair. And he wrote about that in a poem called Once I Passed Through a Populous City. And surely describes all the things he passed through Ooh. in that city. of right? <laughs> wouldn't I right? like to know? Uh, The story at the time was that he had had an affair with this aristocratic Creole woman and caused a total scandal. Mm. And he did abruptly leave both his journalism job and the entire city of New Orleans only three months after he got there. Mm. So uh, something of a scandal.
5: Something happened.
3: But as Richter Norton writes in his article, Walt Whitman, Prophet of Gay Liberation, The original handwritten poem was found in 1925, and then they discovered that Walt had changed the gender in the poem to make it more palatable for publishers. Richter writes, quote, such a subterfuge, of course, suggests that Whitman, far from being an innocent, was aware of the queer nature of his passions. So literally, it's like in in Leaves of Grass, the new edition that came out, Mm -hmm. it was about him and a lady. Right. But when they found the original letter, they were like, oh, shit.
5: Oh, he crossed out he and him and Uh man and boy and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, they're not going to print this. Right. So I want to put us back in Poetry Corner so we can hear a little bit of Once I Passed Through a Populous City.
3: Once I passed through a populous city, imprinting my brain for future use with its shows, architecture, customs, tradition, Yet now, of all that city, I remember only a man I casually met there who detained me for love of me. Day by day and night by night we were together. All else has long been forgotten by me. I remember I saw only that man who passionately clung to me. Again we wander, we love, we separate again. Again he holds me by the hand. I must not go. I see him close beside me with silent lips, sad and tremulous.
4: Oh.
3: Lovely.
5: That's nice. Um, know, like, I saw a lot of shit in New Orleans and I do not remember a right. damn thing about it. I remember one thing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and oh, it's this boy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so interesting. more
5: romantic than that.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> interesting that th- so much of this poem he uses me so much mm-hmm. in this poem. It's mm-hmm. all like his love of me.
5: Yeah,
3: This is not forgotten by me. Mm-hmm. He clung to me. Um, it's just, it puts you in his place, right? Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like to me is mm-hmm. is I, I'm me. Smee's yeah. me.
5: Smee's me. And, uh,
3: <laughs> uh, I'm here like, I don't know, just feeling what he's feeling. It's, it's very... Uh, personalizing way to write it
5: yeah well and he was so concerned with personality and self and stuff right that he probably really wanted that to feel yeah. like you were seeing through his eyes and feeling what he was feeling Mm-mm. at the time that he was seeing those things
3: there's certainly a degree you can look at some of his poems and be like well this guy was very excited about himself and was like y'all would be lucky to be sure. me i contain multitudes i know right? <laughs> you're just a you're
5: just a single mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And
3: get in on my multitudes.
5: Damn. <laughs> well, what's great is like his line about I'm I'm no stander above yeah. man or woman, no more modest than immodest. Yeah. Because he's saying, that's me. So that's also you. Yeah. It's yeah, not definitely. just me. Everyone has this heavenliness right. about them simply and solely because uh-huh. you exist in this miraculous world. Right. And I think that's really beautiful.
3: Except for Kevin down yeah, at the grocery store. That guy, that guy sucks.
5: <laughs> he always leaves his cart in the middle of a freaking parking lot. <laughs> now, more editions came in the 1863 Edition, and these were called the Calamus Cluster of poems. Okay, Richter Norton says that in 1858 or 1859, Walt wrote in his personal journals about an affair with a man that he just referred to as M. The letter M.
3: M is uh, Ray Fiennes <gasps> in the new Bond movies.
5: Maybe it was Rafe Fiends. It wasn't. Look, it was Walt not. Whitman
3: would totally fall for Rafe.
5: Absolutely. The two would
3: honestly, they make probably, a great couple.
5: Let's assume that it was a Rafe Fiennes type. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speculation station, it was a Rafe Fiends type. <laughs> okay. Richter writes, quote, This affair apparently involved a completely frank acceptance of himself as homosexual, but that Walt's love was not reciprocated. Oh, Rafe. Walt wrote, quote, I loved a certain person ardently, and my love was not returned. Yet out of that, I have written these songs. And when they broke up, Walt was almost driven to suicide. He was so upset. But instead, it led to the Calamus poems. Fortunately, I guess he had a better way to express his despair. Um, And Richter says that Whitman, quote, In effect, came out with the lines, I will therefore let flame from me the burning fires that were threatening to consume me. Okay. He also points out that calamus itself has a special significance. Um, It's a plant that mostly grows by ponds, and it's capped by tubers that look like penises. They kind of look like... Oh,
3: yeah. I'm familiar with the the penis plant. Calamus,
5: the penis plant. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's favorite.
3: Right. (laughs) That goes around. There's always memes.
5: Have <laughs> the, the penis plant. Uh it's also was named for a river god Calamus, uh-huh. who grieved the death of his boy lover who drowned. And oh, that's why okay. he's always next to a body of water.
3: Okay. So Whitman's like this
5: Yeah, exactly. Hint hint. Hint hint. Calamus, I'm talking about dicks.
3: These are my dick poems. <laughs>
5: these are my penis poems. Third
3: edition yeah. dick poems. I mean,
5: Richter says, quote, It's not likely that Whitman would have called these calamus poems without being fully aware of the plant's homoerotic coating. Yeah. Um, But funnily enough, when he did receive a letter in 1890 from a stranger named John Simmons asking him point blank if the Calamus poems were about gay love... Walt wrote back a letter that was basically like, uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I have six illegitimate children uh, out there. I stay fucking. So wow. explain yourself, sir. <laughs> it just was very Damn. defensive.
3: My girlfriend's in Canada. You, have, you can't meet her.
5: You've never met her, she but she doesn't we have come by six very often. Beautiful children <laughs> together. Wow. But actually, no historian has ever been able to trace. Any of these alleged children, so okay. he probably just said that in a rant. I mean, this is a stranger, so yeah, you don't want to like, just be like, "Yeah, don't bro." Don't
3: fucking write me letters asking me.
5: Yeah, right. I don't yeah, know you.
3: I don't know you. I ain't got to tell you who I sleep with.
5: Okay, so I can understand why he might uh-huh. either not respond to that letter or respond with a lie. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's so funny. He was like, "Oh, whatever." I don't. <laughs> sure.
3: He's like, "Look." I already told you. I called him the dick poems, the dick plant poems. So, no, I'm not going to answer your very dumb letter. All True. you told me is you have no literacy, sir, and no respect for botany.
5: Damn, that's... <laughs> you don't know the language of flowers. <laughs> now Walt might have been feeling more free to be me. You know what I mean? Um, Because in 1859, he started frequenting a bar called Fafs that might very well be the very first gay bar in America. Oh, cool. And we will hear much more about that right after these messages.
1: Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're gonna learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post, wherever you listen. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves here. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
5: Welcome back to Walt Whitman. <laughs> Walt welcome, Whitman. Welcome, back welcome back to Walt back, Whitman.
3: Wow, so proper. <laughs> Okay, we're talking about Fafs, quite possibly the first gay bar in America. And look, Fafs is a great name for a gay bar. Quite frankly, (laughs) I don't care what decade it is, what century, who opened it.
5: One day, babe, let's open a gay bar called Fafs. Absolutely. Faff's is great. <laughs> I am in.
3: Look, if there were a bar in town called Fabs, I would 100% assume that it was a gay bar. <laughs> it's got to be better than the recently closed gay bar down the street from us, The Cockpit.
4: That's a
5: which, hilarious y'all, name.
3: <laughs> come on. It's That's a little funny. on the nose. I guess. Faff's owner was a German guy named Charles Faff, who modeled the bar on the beer cellars that were popular in Germany at the time. Now, Walt, the former teetotaler who mm-hmm. used to totally only drink tea, <laughs> but now drinks a lot more than that, he once said he was, quote, the best selector of champagne in America. Again, Walt is very sure of himself in a lot of ways. True. He was
5: like, I have, listen, I've drank a lot of champagne
3: at this point.
5: <laughs> this man has the finest. <laughs>
3: But it was the company that really made FAFS special, right? And mm-hmm. it was frequented by bohemians led by Henry Clapp Jr. Henry was this notable anti slavery and temperance advocate. But then he went to free will in France. Oops. And you know what <laughs> happens when any of our subjects go off to France? They come back just ready for anything. All of ideas. <laughs> he returned to America 100% done with social reform and he fully committed. To bohemian values of free love, poverty, and the appreciation of beauty and art, full on rent vibes.
5: Absolutely. He is he like, definitely somebody like, light
3: my candle.
5: He definitely jumped on a table full of food uh-huh. and just kicked plates off as he was <laughs> dancing around talking about life
3: yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Really obnoxious stuff, probably. <laughs> <laughs> But this is the guy who gathered together all these notable poets and writers and actors and actresses, artists, all these folks to hang out at FAFs. Now, this is not just Walt Whitman, but also Thomas Nast, who was the cartoonist, who gave us the modern version of Santa Claus. <laughs> also Quite a contribution. gay icon. Mm, true. Um,
5: gay icon, Santa Claus.
3: <laughs> uh, we also had the humorist Artemis Ward, who was considered the first stand-up comedian. Icon. Truly the a philosopher of his time, I'm but sure. I'm sure he really
5: he was saying some shit that really mattered.
3: <laughs> and also Ada Clare, who was an actress who shocked the world mm. by living unapologetically <gasps> as a single mother to an illegitimate child. <gasps> oh woman!
5: Bring me my fainting couch.
0: Living alone.
5: <laughs>
3: wow. Fafs, just you never know what you're gonna get at Fafs.
5: All it's all types. (laughs) It's all types.
3: (laughs) Now for over ten years, Fafs became, as writer Alan Gerganis wrote, quote, the Andy Warhol Factory, Studio 54, and the Algonquin Roundtable all rolled into one.
5: Hell yes, I would go to Fafs.
3: Henry Clapp also started this little zine called The Saturday Press, which was one of the few publications to champion leaves of grass, and it contributed to the much greater success of the third edition with all those dick poems in it. Right,
5: yeah. Which I hope, I hope he, when he would be like, hey, all you reviewers that keep talking shit about Walt Whitman, I gotta clap back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm Henry Clapp. (laughs) And I got to clap that. (laughs) But now the real draw for Walt was that at Fast, he could hang out with men who loved men. Um, He met a man there named Fred Gray, who created the Fred Gray Association. According to Whitman biographers Ed Folsom and Ken Price, that was, quote, a loose confederation of young men who seemed anxious to explore new possibilities of male-male affection. And in a PBS documentary about Walt Whitman, literary scholar Karen Carboner says that Walt even did a little cross-dressing during oh, this time. okay. He would wear women's fluffy bloomers tucked uh-huh. into his boots. Okay. So he was kind of like, hey, boys, how you doing? <laughs> And I think that's so funny because at the time, all these orthodox clergy guys and dudes that didn't like women's rights basically were like, Uh bloomers will bring down society. (laughs) You know, women in pants, everything may as well be on fire. You know,
3: the downfall of masculinity.
5: Exactly. Well, they called it, quote, a usurpation in male authority. Wow. So I think and it, look what
3: happened. Men like, were totally usurped.
5: You, they were usurped. There
3: was no male authority after 1892 when a woman put on a pair of pants. <laughs> it's done. That was the last time R. men R. were P. ever in male charge. Authority.
5: <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I found it kind of a layered irony that they were pants were for men, and then women made women's pants, and then Walt was wearing women's pants uh-huh. to show that he was a man who loved men.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like women can't wear pants all right i'm a man i'll put them on
5: no, no! pants <laughs> they're wrong no matter what you do
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> boy pants can't get away with anything
5: it's also at FAFS that walt met his first long-term boyfriend Hello. a man two decades younger named fred vaughn okay well walt was about 40 and okay so fred was 20 all right maybe 21 um He lived with Fred for several years and they only broke up once Vaughn reached an age where he was expected to get married and start popping out babies. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, sure.
5: So, probably around 24,
3: 25. Uh oh. Wait, is that what Leo did? (gasps) Leonard DiCaprio, he's like, You're supposed to start having babies now, and I can't do that for you. So, uh, so, that's not the man. I'm I'm breaking it up with you for you.
5: Is Walt another Leo? (laughs) He's like, once you turn 25, you got to go for a drive away from me. (laughs) No, that's not what he does.
4: (laughs) Okay, good.
5: Uh, Justin Martin, in his book Rebel Souls, says that Fred ended up working as an insurance salesman and elevator operator while his wife raised four sons. Good for you, Fred. But he also became a terrible alcoholic. Oh, Martin writes, quote. In the early 1870s, after roughly a decade of silence, Vaughn reconnected with Whitman, writing him several letters, one of which includes the following heart-rending passage. I never stole, robbed, cheated, nor defrauded any person out of anything, and yet I feel that I have not been honest to myself, my family, nor my friends. One letter includes, my love, my Walt, is with you always. Wow. That's, oh, that's so sad. So sad. You know, he tried to do it the way he was told and it yeah. made him miserable.
3: Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he
5: was happy with his kids and stuff, but like he was so miserable.
3: Right, right. Well, again, you know, do you, you feel like he was lying to himself? Like he right. he's, I never defrauded anyone, but I, I feel like I'm I defrauded myself. Honest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's bummer. really bummer.
5: Speaking of bummers.
3: <laughs> Speaking of bummers, <laughs> the Civil War was looming. <laughs> One of America's biggest bummers.
5: <laughs> Large bummer.
3: And when it came. Walt's carefree nights at Faf's would be over for a while. His Walt's brother, George, volunteered for the Union Army, but Walt did not. He was 42 years old, and he'd grown up with Quaker values. Didn't stop his brother, but uh, (laughs) Walt adhered to this. He wanted to do his part, though, so he became a nurse. And he wrote poems about the sacrifice of the soldiers and the horrors of war hospitals, where he would walk by baskets of amputated legs, arms, and hands, and feet just waiting to be carted away. His work consisted of bringing tobacco and oranges to the soldiers, writing letters that they dictated to their loved ones, and dressing their wounds, which I got to say, if I had someone writing my letters home and it was Walt Whitman.
5: Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm like, why don't you just say it however you think? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It would sound Uh, good.
3: Tell my wife I love her and miss her, but do it in like a Walt Whitman kind of (laughs) way. (laughs)
5: <laughs> but do it like good you know what I yeah, mean Yeah, although at the time they might have been like yeah you can write my letter to my mom don't include any dick stuff right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're that <laughs> dick poem guy
3: <laughs> the calamus letters home to my mother
5: <laughs> No, I would read that I would
3: read that <laughs> You have got like dear mother it's been 18 days since I've seen a warm bed and a hot meal but it's only been two days since I've seen a long, turgid <laughs> flower down by the pond. <laughs> <laughs> his mother gets it. She's like, what is happening Pearl? to poor? What's his name? What's a Civil War name? Pete. What's happening to poor Josiah?
5: <laughs> He's like, P.S. My letters are being dictated to Walt Whitman, <laughs> who is putting his own spin upon them. It's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's that nasty poet.
3: Now, the National Endowment for the Humanities says that Walt cared for tens of thousands of soldiers around Washington, D.C., and this earned him the nickname the Good Gray Poet. So he's like a like a Gandalf. Yeah, total these people, Gandalf. Giving them magic words.
5: They, they did actually say that he kind of had a preternatural ability for yeah. healing, like he would come along and. Somehow, it would help in a way that the other doctors had, or nurses were able wow. to to do. It's very interesting. The
3: power of words. Right,
5: right. They're like he he said, "I am holy. All that is me is holy. Yeah. And I, everything I touch becomes holy." That was like in his in Leaves of Grass, and they were like, "It's kind of true." Look,
3: <laughs> the pen and the sword. Like that's not mm. that's not from nothing. No, they don't say that for nothing. Well, that's true. Richter Norton says that Walt fell in love with several soldiers during this time including a fellow by the name of Tom Sawyer. Now, this likely could be the actual Tom Sawyer, who was a real person. He was a fireman who rescued 90 people from a ship fire once, and he was good friends with Mark Twain and the inspiration for his character of the same name.
5: Wow. Uh, The real Tom Sawyer might have made out with Walt Whitman. The
3: real Tom Sawyer led a much more fascinating life than the Fictional Tom Sawyer. Oh,
5: my God. It's insane. Because I read a whole <laughs> thing about it and it doesn't even... This ni- this 90-person rescue is not uh-huh. even the least of the shit that he did. What? He's an amazing person. Uh,
3: nice. Does he have much of a love life?
5: I mean, they got married and opened a bar.
3: Okay. That's enough for me to do an episode <laughs> on Tom Sawyer for. Like, y'all know we'll stretch it to tell a good story. Uh, Walt also likely fell in love with a man... Named Lou Brown, which is very funny oh, here <laughs> in house because that's Diana's dad's name.
5: <laughs> I know. He spelled it different, but <laughs> uh,
3: who? who uh, surely, your father appreciates Walt Whitman, but probably would not have fallen in love with him.
5: Doubtful.
4: <laughs> Doubtful.
3: Walt even suggested that he and all these guys go live together.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it's so just a big party full of firemen and writers and soldiers and, like, and me get, right in the middle. Yeah,
5: give me a sexy threesome to menage yeah. to live in the rest of my life.
3: You there, fireman. You there, soldier. <laughs> Come over to my place and I'm just going to write about all these incredible <laughs> things that are happening. Mm. Another man that Walt wanted to live with after the war was over was a man named Elijah Fox, but Elijah ended up getting married instead. Mm-hmm. So then it was time for Walt to fill out his little black book Ooh. get a few notches on his belt oh. he was like I'm done falling in love I'm, on the I'm just gonna go get me some
5: <laughs> meow I'm a man <laughs> of my prime
3: I'm 44 years old it's uh- <laughs> time to go sleep around all over New York City Washington DC wherever we are let's hear about Walt's special little book mm-hmm. literally a little diary that True. he kept of all the all the fellows he hung out with mm-hmm. uh, right after this commercial break
1: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters— I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
2: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves here And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
3: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Walt's list of Special Friends.
5: <laughs> the OG Facebook. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, is hot or not? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, this is when Walt was, like, on the prowl. He's cruising for cuties, mm-hmm. almost I- obsessively. Oh, boy. Um, he was going out every night and picking up bus drivers and ferry boatmen, like, wow. working class types. Because he was, like, a lot of bohemians in that he felt that, like, the poor roughs of the world had more wisdom to offer than the most educated man. Okay. Um, which is not untrue. I, I would say different wisdom. Perhaps. Well, yeah,
3: sure, sure. But you go down to the shipyards and you're like, tell me about life. Right. And right. you're going to get some philosophy.
5: Very true. You know? And I mean, again, he's like, I'm writing about America. I want to tell people about yeah. America. That doesn't mean you stick with the rich literary salons uh-huh. or anything. You got to be out here in the, pe- in the streets with the folks yeah. doing the work. Yeah. Getting dirty.
3: And he sure did get dirty, dirty and do the work,
5: didn't he? <laughs> he sure did. Charles Shively's book, Calamus Lovers, details some of the around 150 entries in Walt's journals from this time.
3: So these are actual entries from Walt Whitman. Right. These are literally things he wrote down in a book. Yes. To save for later.
5: To save for another, To so he could remember. Uh huh. Peter, large, strong boned young fellow, driver. I liked his refreshing wickedness, as it would be called by the orthodox.
3: George Fitch, Yankee boy, driver, good-looking, tall, curly-haired, black-eyed fellow.
5: Saturday night, Mike Ellis, wandering at the corner of Lexington Ave and 32nd Street, took him home to 37th Street, fourth story back room, bitter cold night. Ooh.
3: William Culver, boy in bath, aged 18. Ooh. Ooh.
5: Daniel Spencer, somewhat feminine, slept with me September 3rd.
3: Theodore M. Carr, came to the house with me.
5: James Sloan, night of September 18th, 62, 23rd year of age, plain homely, American.
3: John McNelly, night October 7th, young man, drunk, walked up Fulton and High Street home.
5: David Wilson, night of October 11, 62, walking up from Middaw, slept with me.
3: Horace Ostrander, October 22, 62, about 28 years of age, slept with him December 4, 62.
5: October 9, 1863, Jerry Taylor, New Jersey, of 2nd District Regiment, slept with me last night, weather soft, cool enough, warm enough, heavenly.
3: Wow! (laughs) what a fuck fest for old Walt Whitman
5: (laughs) he's
3: got this uh, it's kind of creepy he's got this little book like this is when I slept with an 18 year old this is when I slept with a 24 year old this is when I slept with a driver this is when I I slept with a soldier this is when I slept with a drunk guy
5: Uh, yeah basically yeah wow well Richter Norton was like these are at the very least masturbatory aids you know for him to go back and be like "Mm, who do I want to think about tonight or something okay um, which I think is probably true. Sure. <laughs> I guess. Uh, who old, knows what they actually it's ended up doing? Walt together.
3: Whitman's <laughs> actual spank bank is what we've got here.
5: <laughs> oh, and of course he would write that shit down. <laughs> yeah,
3: I guess he wrote everything down.
5: He sure did. Kind of his thing. Did. <laughs> but
3: 1864 would be a year of tragedy for Walt Whitman. His brother George was captured by the Confederate Army and he was held for five months. Hmm. Another brother of his died. And Walt had to commit a third brother to a lunatic asylum. So he was barely over this series of family tragedies when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in April of 1865. And you had, of course, the entire country oh, in a period of mourning after this. And Walt himself was deeply affected because he was a great admirer of President Lincoln. He once wrote, quote, I love the president personally.
5: Mm-hmm. He wrote a lot about him. But yeah. One selected quote.
3: <laughs> As an elegy to Abraham Lincoln, Walt penned four poems, including When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed and Oh, Captain, My Captain. Mm. Now, these were more conventional than the sort of free verse poems that he'd written in Leaves of Grass. So that, combined with the topic, made them more popular than anything else he ever wrote, really.
5: Right. He was really working with the zeitgeist. And- yeah. I mean, again, he's so good at emotions.
3: Yes. And like, who didn't need that expression yeah, after Lincoln's exactly. assassination? Yeah. It, it right? must
5: have been nice to read his outpouring of emotion yeah. and feel like finally someone's saying everything that I can't like, figure uh-huh. out how to put words to.
3: You're reading Walt Whitman's poem and you're like, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say.
5: Yeah. <laughs> you remember how last night I was like, ah, oh, sexy that that happened? That's, <laughs> that's, this, this is what I was This is <laughs> what I'm going I for. I meant, oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We've all got different skills.
5: You know? <laughs> I'm gifted in other ways.
3: <laughs> also, okay. Before we get off Lincoln here, I love the I love the president personally.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Lincoln famously, probably, could be had some had some fellows. A little bit of. A do you think? Do you think? Could be. All right, speculation could station. Walt Whitman and Abraham Lincoln totally did it.
5: If they met, which I don't know for sure if they did. Because uh, I was trying well, they wouldn't not say. to include some things, but...
3: They wouldn't tell us. They wouldn't
5: tell you. He did read Leaves of Grass. The legend has it that Abraham Lincoln did read Leaves of Grass.
3: Okay. So while while the train's parked here, mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln read Leaves of Grass, picked up the Oval Office phone, <laughs> and was like, Hey,
5: get me, get Walt, me Whitman. Walt Whitman
3: <laughs> right now. And was like, do you want me to put it in your schedule? No, no, no. No. Nope. Don't write it down. I'm not making a poet laureate. Nope. Nothing like that. Nope. I just want to meet together. Yes. <laughs> Go build a log cabin, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Go examine the calamus plants down by the pond.
5: I've got a couple calamus plants I'd like to show him by my pond.
3: <laughs> I would like to score four times with Walt Whitman. <laughs>
5: I love this speculation station. I hope they did score four times.
3: Yeah. So. Oh, Captain, My Captain was the only poem of Walt Whitman's to be anthologized in his own lifetime, and also won him, finally, the literary acclaim that he'd been working towards since 1855. Even so, the Calamus cluster of poems continued to cause him problems. Later, he got a job at the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but he got fired very soon after. According to the National Endowment of Humanities, the story was that James Harlan, the Secretary of the Interior, quote, Objected to having the author of a dirty book on staff.
5: A dirty book?
3: You know, leaves of grass, that smut.
5: <laughs> well, fortunately, the very next day, he got another job, and he even had some writers take up the pen in his defense, and that helped his popularity, too. Okay. So it wasn't the worst thing that happened to him. Right. But love was still eluding him. Ah. Until 1866, when on a stormy night, he met 19-year-old Peter Doyle.
3: Peter Doyle. Wasn't he the monster in Young Frankenstein? (laughs)
5: That's Peter Boyle. Peter
3: Boyle. Yeah, that's right.
5: That's right. Ray Romano's dad
3: in Everybody Loves Raymond.
5: That's right. Also, yeah. (gasps) I always forget that he played. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, yeah,
3: because how much Everybody Loves Raymond did you watch?
5: Mm, I think. I think just the one scene with Patton Oswald not yeah. doing anything <laughs> because <laughs> right. he talked about it on his Twitter account. Now, Peter Doyle was Irish. He was an illiterate bus conductor. This is the exact kind of guy Walt's looking for in his life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a little, a little creepy, little but... weird.
5: Um, Peter described their meeting best in an 1895 interview he gave. Quote, He was the only passenger. It was a lonely night, so I thought I would go in and talk with him. Anyway, I went into the car. We were familiar at once. I put my hand on his knee. We understood. He did not get out at the end of the trip. In fact, oh. went all the way back with me. From that time on, we were the biggest sort of friends.
3: Oh, biggest sort of friends. The
5: biggest sort of friends. My, my, my. I don't know what that means. <laughs> wow,
3: he's like, oh, this this guy's the only man on the bus. I'm going to go back and put my hand on his knee.
5: Okay. I mean, I think he just knew.
3: Yeah, maybe
5: he was just like, I don't know. I get it. I get the sense that mm-hmm. this person might be willing to accept an advance from me.
3: Hey, they had Gator in the 1860s.
5: Sure. Well, probably better because you had to be <laughs> so careful. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you touch the wrong person. You could it could be real bad. Yeah, for you. that's
3: true. Do you think you know who Walt Whitman was? I guess he was illiterate. So he he's was not probably so doubtful. not paying attention yeah, to doubtful. a lot of poets.
5: Yeah. Unless someone read day. it to him. I mean, but how would he know? Like he would be like, that's that, that's that guy over there. That's, oh my
3: God. An illiterate man falling in love with a poet. That's like such a gift of the Magi setup. <gasps> you know, I like it. I wrote you this book. Oh no. <laughs> I, um, I don't know what he would do. <laughs> I bought you this bus, you know, it's oh. you know, like, I don't drive. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Whatever it was.
5: <laughs> it's a work An in odd progress. Couple. Yeah, we're, work we're, in we're, progress.
3: We're, we're workshopping.
5: <laughs> well, Walt taught Peter how to read and write. He taught him geography and arithmetic. Um, he would meet him most nights and hang out during Peter's last rides of the night. Um, afterward, they would go and have a drink together. They took long walks under the moonlight they strolled the banks of the Potomac they slept together under the stars. Walt sometimes bought Peter flowers I and mean, this was a full romantic relationship um, they never lived together but they shared their lives every day
3: yeah now Richter Norton does point out that we don't know for sure if Walt and Peter ever like did it did it We don't know right. if they had penetrative sex. We don't know if they ever experienced orgasm together.
5: Right.
3: Um, but, quote, Or
5: really with any of his other.
3: Right, right. But, quote, We do know that they often kissed and embraced and sometimes slept together naked, which is sometimes called a karetze, which is a kind of naked chastity that Socrates seemed to advocate in the symposium, which in the religious practices of India amounts to prolonged erection without ejaculation.
5: Oh. The Oneida-looking guy L- would be guy. like, yes, yes, you got the yes. right idea. You
3: can't actually have an orgasm, but you can do all kinds of sexy stuff
5: anyway. <laughs> Go for
2: it.
3: Interesting. So Walt and this boy that he loved would lie na- naked next to each other with, right. with presumably raging hard-ons uh, well. and just not, and kiss. but mm-hmm. well, that'll be all. Thank you.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, you know, we don't know. That's yeah. the truth, and it's likely that with sometimes they might have gone a little further than that, right? Because we
3: know they did that much. We right. just don't know uh, not then not any happened. further.
5: Yeah, but um, but I I think that Walt did write sometimes that like just to kiss is enough, just to touch the hand. Yeah. You know, like so it makes me think if you're so like I don't know cut off uh-huh. from the love that you crave, right? That even a tiny little bit of it, it seems like your cup overfloweth. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So he's like, I'm not trying to go too far. Yeah. Or something. Or he could
3: be romantic asexual.
5: That's true, too. Possibility. That's very true.
3: Or, yeah. yeah, or just that. He that... just
5: put it on a higher plane. Like, it's not right. about that. That's that's breeding procreative shit. This right. Is like, beautiful, high beauty, you know, type thing, maybe.
3: Or the, the shame of the era, you yeah. know? It's like, shame, this yeah. is as close as I can get. And then, ah, uh, we, gotta, we gotta stop. I, yeah. I don't feel good about this. Yeah. Hard to say. We cannot know. Now, Walt did spend a lot of time talking about the importance of romantic friendship between men without necessarily having sex. Mm -hmm. He thought that it was actually essential for men's health and wellness. He even attributed his love and affection towards men as the reason that he was such a good nurse when he worked with the army.
5: Right. That preternatural healing ability. He was just like, well, I come in just full of love and affection and kisses and I hold them close if they want to hug me. And I have many soldiers kiss on my lips and all this stuff see so he's like I give them this love that that's what they really need that's that's healing yeah it's very healing to have that kind of affection instead of like
3: whoa no homo right
5: right. which I'm kind of like he might be on (laughs) to something I I think uh, you know America's men are very lonely it's said in right. some studies I don't have right in front of me, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like it is said.
3: I had this paper in the in the journal Nature just written. <laughs> men are very lonely. A study.
5: Citation myself. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, maybe. Yeah. And it, that men don't uh, necessarily hug very much, you know, or spend much time together or yeah. something like that. And, they, you know, rely on uh, their significant other for a lot of that kind of affection. Right, right. So maybe he's got something.
3: Now, also at the time, though, the terms homosexual and heterosexual just didn't exist yet. Yeah. So Walt described it as adhesive love. Hmm. And this was as opposed to amative love between a man and a woman. He thought adhesive love was just as important for health as food and water.
5: Now, in 1868, an edition of Leaves of Grass was published in the UK for the very first time, thanks to the publisher William Rossetti. And it won the heart of more than one writer across the pond. Oh, my goodness. And they sent quite a lot of letters about it. Oh, my. Um, but we will talk about those heart burnings and heart yearnings in our next episode. That's right. Yeah. Um, we've got some friend zoning and some fanboy behavior <laughs> that will just delight. <laughs> yes. We just
3: had to talk. You know, we had we decided we had to do a whole second episode. Oh, my. Um, Uh, On on this story because there's so much more going on and a lot of famous names start popping up from the time. Uh, Authors you'll recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, Very exciting stuff. So this is super cool. But what a sweet story.
5: I know. Him and Peter. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, Him and Peter and him and everyone. Just His whole life is just like, I don't know, just such a projection of love. I feel like he had so much. He had a lot of uh, Mm self-love, which we spent a lot of time today talking about you'll hear that episode coming up soon as well (laughs) about the the idea that you know really admiring yourself uh can just do so much for you in Mm -hmm. terms of your relationships with other people Mm -hmm. in terms of your position in the world and just your happiness in life and it seemed like walt despite his uh you know frequent he certainly lived through some tragedies and through Mm -hmm. some challenges but he thrived through it all and i think uh really This love that he had for himself and for the people he met, uh, really, really affected that in a positive way. I think we can all learn from that.
5: Yeah, and I I think, I think the word that kept coming to my mind when I was learning about him, researching him, and stuff, was the word generous. He seems like a generous Mm, person. He's just very like giving of his energy, and he wants to like flow so much. You know what I mean? With everything going on, and I want, he's like, I want a lot, so I want to give a lot. You know what I mean? He was just very, and he was so engaged. In everything going on around him, and he wanted to be out in the streets, walking around and seeing things and witnessing the world. Right, he found it all so fascinating, and he was literally like, "A blade of grass is as holy to me as a church." You know, like it's yeah. all so amazing. Are you looking at this shit? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, <which laughs> it's like really awesome I mean, I mean reading some of it i was like i need to go outside immediately <laughs> know. don't we
3: all i mean we, i feel like we all have those moments you know where they break through where you're like oh my god this is outrageous yeah like the fact that i exist mm-hmm. is unbelievable and that the and that grass is here mm-hmm. this little thing is a whole thing right that's wild Yeah. oh shit i gotta get to work let me stop thinking about that right, right. Now. you know like right. that's the problem yeah but, um, but he's
5: like, there's a whole ecosystem around this grass. It's got a root that's doing things. Yeah, it's, it's contributing. I mean, what the fuck? If you think about everything, it's all so amazing. Yeah, you know? and I just like I I like that energy a lot. I
3: love it. I love it. <laughs> Generous, yeah. Except when it came to orgasm, and he was like, No, 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 no we no, don't no. do that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you may touch your calamus, and I might touch my calamus, but ne'er the trade Twain shall meet. <laughs> Mark Twain. Mark Twain also published in Henry Clapp's Saturday Evening Post. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Clapp. Oh, Clapp. He had it all. He had his thumb on the the pulse.
3: Oh, the pulse. Oh, thank God. I wasn't (laughs) sure what you were going to say there. (laughs) Oh, no. I hung out at FAFs and I had my thumb on the pulse (laughs) of society.
5: (laughs) (laughs) What a suggestive pause.
3: Amazing.
5: (laughs) Well, I hope you loved this story about Walt Whitman. Seriously. I love him. I'm going to go try to read more Leaves of Grass, <laughs> even though I For probably real. won't get through that much of it <laughs> um, because it's long. But uh, I hope you loved it. Please let us know what you thought. Yeah, Reach definitely. to us. We love hearing from you.
3: Write us a little poem Ooh. in free verse. We'll free read verse it on the show. poem. What yes. you
5: see and feel every day.
3: I'm as free as a verse.
5: Reverse. Reverse. (laughs) (laughs) Reverse.
3: But yeah, do please send us an email at radicromance at gmail.com.
5: Right, or we're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at boom, And
3: I'm at, oh great, it's Eli.
5: And the show is at romance.
3: And please, like we said at the top of the episode, there's nothing better for us than you dropping a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love your five stars and your kind words, and we'll even read some more on the show. Uh, Y'all are the best. We love having you.
5: Love you. Thank you for spending your time with us today. And we'll see you in the next one.
3: That's right. Bye bye. So long,
5: friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show Ridiculous Romance.
3: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When
1: I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall.
3: Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids.